good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever you, whatever time or place you may be listening in, welcome to the Dark Spider Cast. It has recently uh, come to my attention that this level, this level of decibels that I'm at, this kind of way, uh, you know, this kind of like relaxed way of talking into the mic and, and just kind of, you know, being not necessarily low energy or just lazy, but just kind of embracing the microphone and just kind of being a little bit more warmly receptive uh, to it is pretty much how doing a podcast is actually supposed to be it's supposed to be kind of like in this in this kind of like uh, you know if you're in the car and you're kind of like listening to these sultry sounds this is pretty much how uh, the the atmosphere and the energy is supposed to be at at least that's you know the the level that I'm getting from some recent podcasts that me and the girlfriend have been listening to while we were away this past weekend for the birthday slash anniversary getaway, which is one of the big things that happened this uh, past weekend ever since uh, last week's episode. Before I jump into that mess, well, it's not really a mess, I'm exaggerating, but basically <laughs> before I jump into uh, that excursion, welcome to... Uh, what is this, episode 3 now of season 5 of the Dark Spider Cast? I, I legitimately start wonder sometimes, like, how long can I actually keep this whole podcast uh, level thing? I, I gotta be honest, like, I, I'm just letting you guys, I'm dropping seeds here. Uh, I'm planting, I'm supplanting, so to speak, information here that in terms of the prospects of where things are going as far as the job, as far as uh, how things things are organized for you know where i live where i'm at where i'm stationed at or whatever it could be possible and strictly possible i just want to keep it you know as far as it being a might thing like a very big might thing that um season five of the dark spider cast is pretty much going to be maybe the last season as it being recorded here in this current um living situation which living with my parents and being in this kind of extra room um We'll see. I just don't want to jump the gun here. Obviously, you know, nothing is concrete, nothing is certain, nothing has been set in stone or signed for that matter. But, you know, the, the idea, the the goal, the destination is that maybe within the past uh, two or three months, uh, the idea would be to live out, uh, to live out, to move out. For me and the girlfriend to pretty much move out and to have our own place Somewhere closer to like the more city-like area, you know, we've kind of tossed around, especially living in Southern California, we've kind of tossed around the idea of living someplace like uh, Pasadena or, you know, obviously the easy answer is Los Angeles. I always like to say close to Los Angeles, not exactly in Los Angeles, because obviously, you know, living in Los Angeles or L.A. or even dare say Chicago, I would say it's just, you know, not feasible. I I, I want to put it that way. It, not even for something timely right now. I'm I'm literally. I just feel like unless you have a five. I want to say five figure salary, but even then, I want to say if you if you have something that kind of teeters on the six figures, that's where you would probably just nonchalantly say, "Yeah, I want to move to the big city. I want to move to LA or fly out to New York or what have you." Um. You know, living. I know it's closer to the business, especially with what I want to do as far as either consecration or the film industry, as far as writing and directing. Um, but my goal right now is just to get closer to LA, but not actually be in LA. Um, it just feels like something that can maybe 
happen by the end of the year for a couple of reasons. One, as I mentioned, uh, I can't remember if it was in the last episode or probably in the premiere for season five. Got a new job. It's starting off kind of slow. I'm only going in. I'm only working once a week. Um, especially because of the commute, but also because I just the work left. But we are talking right now, me and my supervisor and, and you know the people that I work with, as far as bringing me in a little more frequently. You know, about two. You know, it starts off once a week, and then it's gonna start to morph a little bit into twice a week, and then from there uh, into three times a week potentially. Uh, maybe back to back to back, and you know it's gonna stay at part time, but of course the pay it's a little bit uh, on the increased side side of things, and with any luck, you know it could be in a way where there's success, sustainable income. That's the word I'm looking for. Sustainable income, and that combined with maybe a little something that my girlfriend's got pocketed, like her and I can actually, in a very serious way, start looking at places. That's the first reason. The second reason that I'm not going to go into information because it is a very uh, private matter. Um, yeah, it's a very private matter. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put all the information out there. The most vague and classy way of putting it would be that there's not much left for me here uh, where I live. Um, I'm speaking in terms of the town that I live in, I'm speaking in regards to the people that I live with, um, and in the in the house that I live in. I, I I just feel like I'm inhabiting this place. I just feel like I'm here. I don't feel like I'm actually living here. I don't feel like I'm welcome welcomed or respected here anymore by the people in the house. Um. It hurts, uh, let alone, uh, you know, realizing this around the time of my recent birthday. <laughs> um, but things happen. And, you know, I just recently came to that realization that I just, I don't have anything here. I really don't. Uh, so the idea is to hopefully, before year's end, which is just around the corner here, <laughs> um, quite literally around the corner like three or four months it's and it's funny because you know once you hit your 30s you know a lot of 20 year olds say this and you guys don't know what you're talking about you know once you hit your 30s you know three or four months is nothing you know if somebody gives you like a timetable like a turnaround thing for a project or some kind of goal whatever and they say three to four maybe five months it sounds like a long time but for for the majority of people that's that's nothing that's really really nothing um so we'll see, you know, I'll start saving up some money here. Um, YouTube is also looking a little good uh, as far as uh, some, I don't want to say disposable income because I've always mentioned how any income generated from the YouTube channel, I want to put it back into the YouTube channel, but finances are so stretched thin right now that, and there's actually quite a decent amount coming in that I'm like, yeah, like a good assortment of what's coming in at the end of this month and potentially next month, it's going to be, uh, going towards paying off bills and maybe just accruing a little bit so that maybe that first month or two um, of living in a new place uh, will be covered until, like I said, I start going into the office more frequently. I start going in t twice a week, three times a week. I doubt I'll ever go in four times a week because at that point it will be full-time hours. Um, 
judging by the amount, you know, because I go in like at seven and a half times, uh, I mean, seven and a half times, seven and a half hours a day. So at the four day mark, that will be teetering on like what, three hours, uh, 30 hours. So that will be kind of full time ish. Um, and, you know, that that's, te- you know, at, at that point, I would have to get like a position uptick. Um, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. And, and I know that. So, yeah, the, the, you know, the, that's one of the things that's been crossing my mind uh, lately. And one of the things that me and the girlfriend thought about as we drove past the area where not only do I work, but also, like I said, a prospective place where her and I can start looking for a place. Um, and, that, you know, somewhere here in the, like I said, in the more city areas like uh, the Grove, uh, Glendale, uh, Azusa, uh, Pasadena, etc., and so the, one of the reasons why we were doing that, why we were kind of scoping out through these places, is because, like I mentioned, um, this is one of the things that we did this past weekend since last week's episode was our birthday slash uh, anniversary getaway, where we pretty much just got away for the week. Uh, we didn't really do anything crazy. In fact, I phrasing there, <laughs> a little bit of phrasing, but basically without... Yeah, you know, wasting too much time. It really boiled down to doing things that were kind of—I don't want to say last minute. It was kind of like in between last minute and thoroughly planned. Like it was planned ahead enough, like a couple of weeks enough in advance, but it was never cemented and so. Like one of the things that we did on Saturday, I bought the tickets for like literally two days prior or like the night prior. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, like I said, things that have been going on with money and also just um, where focuses have been at, which is to find a place and to figure out where things are going. Like there was just so many maybes, so many in between, so many up in the airs that, you know, looking at, at my birthday, like I wasn't even thinking about my birthday all that much. Like, you know, she kept, you know, my girlfriend kept hyping it up like, hey, you're turning 31. It's your birthday tomorrow, whatever. And I'm just kind of like, you know, how do I put this in a way that doesn't sound bad or overly negative and that was the whole like how do I make it you know drive the idea across that I'm waiting for it to be over not only not because I'm dreading it not because I'm thinking negatively of it but just primarily because I want to get to the main focus as as an adult which is to finding my own place and just working more um you know, working towards the things that are making me money. And I know that sounds kind of superficial. It sounds kind of um, uh, materialistic, but I really am thinking about making money, but just for to establish that place, to establish that future. Um, whether it be this stuff that I, you know, I'm doing for this job that has me coming in once a week, or now, in a matter of speaking, without sounding like I'm making it sound too much of a tedious job, because it's not, I'm still loving it, I'm still loving the creative forces behind it and, and, and the content creation aspect of it, but YouTube, you know, the niche channel. Now seeing how a video that I considered low lift is just taken off in ways that I just could not fathom and provides enough receptible income that I'm looking at it going, you know, this this one video literally generated enough ad revenue that I can, that's, you know, not to go into specifics as far as numbers and and all that, but let's just say that a particular video made enough that I can cover next month for the phone bill. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, this is a video that I didn't really plan too long on, you know, about a week's worth of time. And when I say a week's worth, I don't mean the full week. I mean, you know, like 
you know, a little bit of recording here, a little bit of editing and splicing here, you, you know, like when I had time, when I had that those free pockets of time and when I wasn't taking a break doing, you know, going to the gym and of course eat, eating and, uh, you know, pl- playing a game or whatever, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't, uh, and then of course these past couple of weeks where I've been going into the office once a day, I mean, uh, once a week, and that full day is taken up of that job, you know, I'm not editing this one thing, so it's not even the full week. Um, so it was a very low lift, uh, thing like the, um, the video where I talked about the no way home three pack. That's a video idea that from ideation to publishing, I think was actually not even a week. I think it was like three or four days. I wasn't really thinking too much of it, but I was like, you know what? Let me make a video talking about this no way home, uh, three pack and what's my opinion. And then kind of toss the question to the audience. Like, is this really worth it? That thing is closing in on a hundred thousand views total. Uh, it's like at eighty something last time I checked, eighty something thousand. And again, not not going specific as far as numbers. I'll keep that data pri- private. But let's just say that it made enough that I'm looking at next month. Going, those are some bills right there, actually, huh? And that's on top of already what I might be earning as I start to go into the office a little bit more and more and more. So, like I said, all these things is really what I was kind of uh, thinking about uh, a couple of times during this getaway weekend and not so much on, um, you know, in the moment. And it's definitely something that I, I need to fix looking at myself as, as a person, not just as a creator, but also, you know, in this uh, particular scenario as a boyfriend, as a friend, as a, as a colleague, as a person. It's like thinking about the now. Don't think about what could be happening in in months time weeks time what have you you know think think about the now um and, and be in the moment instead of being you know being in the moment surrounding me as opposed to being in the own little like uh closeted space in my head um so that's definitely something that I need to work on and that's, that's hopefully something that this job will help with because these past couple of uh days that I've been going into the office all I'm thinking about is the work that needs to be done and and I mean that in a good way like in a way where I'm like huh I never really went to my mind palace. I actually just thought about, you know, what needs to get done here at work. And because of that, I felt like the least amount of stress that particular day. And I'm looking forward to going into the office this week, not only because, you know, I kind of miss it, kind of looking forward to every day. It's been a new project, actually. Keeps things fresh. And there's uh, not so much the first day because I was still kind of learning the ropes. The second day, though, I fell into my groove. And then before I knew it, it was actually my stomach that told me, hey, um, it's actually already lunchtime. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Um, that's the kind of job that I want. It's the one where I haven't even looked at the clock and it's actually my stomach that tells me, you're hungry, go get something to eat. And it's actually already been four hours into your shift. Go get something to eat, uh, you know, stretch the legs, come back and then finish. And, and guess what? Now you got the bulk of your shift done. You actually got less time now than you did before to work on this one thing, try to get as much done, and then before you know it, it's time to click out. Like, I, I love it when that shit happens. And when it happens with a job that I actually love, that's, I mean, isn't that what they describe as the American dream, so to speak? <laughs> Speaking of American dreams, I want to talk about a particular show that tackles this concept in, in due time. But before we get into that, like I said, this birthday weekend, in terms of the actual scope of what we did wasn't big scale, big 
think like we've had bigger birthdays, bigger anniversaries and such. It, but funny enough, I feel like de-escalating or descaling, rather is the term I'm looking for here, descaling the actual scope of this anniversary or this trip or whatever, I think maybe worked in its advantage. It, you know, of avoiding because one of the things, you know, as a bit of a pessimist, um, one of the things that, um, you know, was has always plagued me with these kind of events, whether it be for my birthday slash our anniversary, uh, for a friend's birthday, for a Christmas type of deal, an occasional type deal for like the year when it's my girlfriend's birthday and we're you know planning everything. You know, I've always being the skeptic that I am. It's always been a glass half empty kind kind of uh, view, and because of that, I've had my fair moments where I'm often thinking, "Oh, what's going to go wrong? Is this going to be the thing that goes wrong? Is this going to be the thing?" And scaling down the scope of this visit or this trip helped placate that a little bit. Where I was like, "You know what? I don't feel that stressed about what could go wrong." Because that Friday, the goal was to go someplace, like I said, that's still a little bit of an industrial little city-like, but not the big city. And uh, one of the driving forces of that was the finances. You know, we just didn't have the money and we didn't have the resources. So we went somewhere kind of quiet, but still had like stores and and, and things like that. Um, So we stayed there and we stayed at at a hotel that, you know, wasn't a fancy Airbnb. It wasn't even that fancy of a hotel. Well, at least we perceived it to not be that fancy of a hotel. Basically, it ended up being a hotel that's for like business, like it's right near an airport. So we're seeing we're hearing um, planes take off. Uh, Thankfully, it's really quiet inside of the hotel. It's actually built really nicely that I personally never felt bothered by the planes at all. The only times that we would hear is if we cracked open a window or the balcony door. Um, but because it's next to a, a a handful of airports and such, it's going to be that kind of travel uh, hotel where it's all about business. You know, you get that reception, you get that atmosphere when you walk in. And the people who greeted us and checked us in were, were really sweet, really nice. I want it, and when we were checking in, lady asks us, uh, would you guys care for a complimentary glass of champagne? The fuck? I'm sorry, but where from me and the girlfriend come from, like, complimentary champagne? And it, 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 you know it's bad when I actually have to ask, is it free? And they're like, well, yeah, that's what complimentary means. <laughs> I'm like, god damn, like, all right. So give us a couple of glasses, you know, plastic glasses. It was an actual glass. But, you know, a couple of cups of uh, champagne and, uh, you know, we're sipping them a little bit in the lobby. I go I start getting to, you know, I can't really pound a glass of champagne. So take my bre- uh, my breaks from the glass and I start to go get st- the stuff in the car. We go up into the elevator. We're on the fifth floor. We check into our room. Our room is uh, rather nice, clean. Nothing terribly fancy. Like it's not, it's, it doesn't have a hot tub or whatever, but you know, it's got a decent, a pretty good shower, pretty good. Yeah, everything is just very um streamlined. As far as the way that it's built, as far as, you know, the com- the comfy bed, the be- bed was really comfy, really spongy, TV's really large and nice, I'm pretty d- certain it was 4K, but it's not going to be like an OLED or nothing like that, but, you know, it can- can- cannot at all, can- I would probably say, you know that it's a re- still a really good room where the biggest complaint that I can think of 
is that it didn't have a microwave. And the only reason why, the, uh, legitimately the only reason why I complained about the microwave, it, it, or about it not having a microwave, is because I knew that kind of eliminated uh, the prospect of, a, of le- leftovers from wherever we had our uh, breakfasts or dinners if we ever wanted to take a leftover. Because even though it did have a really nice fridge, I had a somewhat fancy fridge. I mean, it's fancy for me and the girlfriend. It had the window where you can look inside the fridge and temperature control with a little digital dial that lets you know what the temperature is inside and a little built-in light so you can light up the inside. I'm sorry, but that's fancy for me and the girlfriend. So, you know, it's got the fridge... But we don't have a microwave, so we can preserve the leftovers, but we're not going to be able to warm them up. And that's why we're like, uh, uh, it, it, you, you were halfway there. You were almost perfect. It was almost a perfect room. Uh, but I digress. So we check in. This was Friday. And frankly, that's pretty much just for Friday because we settled that on Friday is and generally the first day of our the first day of our stays. Uh, whenever we have birthdays or or uh, uh, anniversary trips or Christmas things or whatever, or vacations for that matter, extended vacations where it's just it's more than at least two nights or two nights or more. Uh, the first day is always the chill day where we're not gonna do anything crazy. If anything, we're just gonna go to the store, stock up on snacks, or if we're staying at an Airbnb, stock up on the stuff that we can maybe cook for ourselves, um, or what have you. Um, and that's. Pretty much what Friday was. We just stayed in, watched TV. I hopped on the computer to finish up th- this uh, video that was gonna. I intended to go up on my birthday to just kind of not only commemorate the birthday, but also commemorate the fact that it was my 100th upload. And that ended up being my Frankenstein's uh, run where I did... Uh, where I recorded footage from a Frankenstein's visit that I did a couple of weekends ago where not only did I visit to check out McFarlane toys and Marvel Legends and all that stuff, but also to uh, show off this event that was happening at Frankenstein's called the SoCal Gaming Expo. This video is now on the YouTube channel. It's the last video that I posted. Um, And I was pretty much putting the finishing touches on that edit. I rendered it, uploaded it. While I was rendering and uploaded, her and I went to a nearby Ralph's scoped out for snacks, etc. And that was pretty much all of Friday. And I uploaded the video, scheduled it to go up Saturday morning, and that was that. So our plan for Saturday was to wake up, order in a breakfast. Uh, we ordered from this, I legit cannot remember the place. Oh, um, breakfast. Oh, God, it started with a B. It, it was breakfast, bus, something. Uh uh, yeah, I, I legit cannot remember what the, the official name of the restaurant was. But we ordered in from DoorDash. She got something called a shrimp frittata. So it was like cooked shrimp on top of a frittata toast with baked potatoes on the side. I ordered something called a Mr. Presley. <laughs> Mr. Presley. Um, and basically what it ended up being was a French toast, a very moist French toast, um, that was split. That, that was basically two slices of French toast of the very decadent French toast with peanut butter inside, squished into into halves. You know what I'm saying? So it was pretty much like hot dog style, but each uh, slice was kind of folded into itself with peanut butter inside. Uh, of course, powdered up with uh, powdered sugar on the top with a uh, little powdery sugar, um, and then topped with slivers or slices of bacon crispy bacon and i don't know if they were caramelized but basically cooked or 
you know, steamed uh, bananas, you know, like the type of bananas you get on top of as, as toppings on your pancakes or whatever. Banana cooked bananas and uh, crispy bacon on top. And then, of course, on the side, you get your syrup and what have you. Man, this thing was good. <laughs> this thing was good. Not only was this thing was good, I, I, of course, being the small guy that I was, wasn't really expecting to finish it. But I got pretty far. And one of the things that helped is that, I don't know if it was maybe the slipperiness of the peanut butter they used or the moistness of the toast. But it never felt like it was bunching up in the esophagus or anything like that. Like it was dry or nothing. It was smooth. It was super smooth and moist. Barely needed any kind of coffee. Um, which I had to get the run. You know, my girlfriend was the one that ordered in the breakfast. I had to go and get ourselves a coffee from Starbucks because this Saturday was actually my actual birthday. It was the day of my birthday, August 13th. And because of that, Starbucks, of course, always offers one free item. And so that's why I went and got the coffees to Starbucks to get the coffee, my, my free coffee, get her coffee. And by the time I got back, breakfast was in. That's what we ate. And then after eating, we went down to San Diego, which was another hour and 15-ish drive. And we went to San Diego to go to the Comic-Con Museum because at the Comic-Con Museum, they had this uh, exhibit dedicated to all things Spider-Man. So the timing was perfect. (laughs) Um, Celebrating the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man, it was pretty much an exhibit called Spider-Man Beyond Amazing. And it was occupying the majority of this Comic-Con uh, museum, uh, which is separate from the convention center, and, but it's still in San Diego. and still in the San Diego area. And so we went through this uh, exhibit. It is a bit of a quick run, but of course I sabered it. I took my time reading the different panels, so kind of speed reading, uh, taking pictures and footage of the different exhibits. There's a couple of shots from the exhibits that are up on my Twitter and my Instagram right now, but full video footage is going to be going up on the YouTube channel. There is going to be a uh, YouTube video dedicated to this exhibit with my narration and a couple of other little uh, things bookending it uh, here. Um, Outside of uh, that, though, there's not much more that I can really describe on podcast form except that it is a quick run. Um, So buying tickets for this thing, I think it's like $30 a person and I think a little bit cheaper for kids or whatever. Um, it's not bad of an exhibit, but if you're looking for something that's a bit on the meteor side, you're probably going to be a bit more satisfied going to an actual convention of sorts, whether it be San Diego Comic-Con, uh, which of course is a bit of a crapshoot to get in, or one of the secondary, you know, offshoot ones on the side that are rotating throughout the year, like WonderCon or Los Angeles Comic-Con or Long Beach Comic-Con, etc., um, which I believe some of those are actually coming up here in the latter few months of the year. So I might be planning on that. We'll see. Uh, and maybe even cosplaying. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> well, like I said, so many maybes and up in the ears for the remainder of the year. But um, yeah, this exhibit is not bad. I think it leans more towards the comic side of things for Spider-Man. So if you're one of the people who grew up with like the Sam Raimi movies or whatever, there's not much showcased on that. But there are a couple of little movie props and things like that. You know, they were talking about how we got props for the movie. Don't expect like a full row of all the Raimi suits. You know, don't expect anything like that. They got like Doc Ock's uh, claw, one of the claws of his tentacle and his goggles. Um the glider from Spider-Man 3, so not the first Spider-Man, but Spider-Man 3, the snowboard type thing. And even looking at it up close, I was like, I feel like this is a recreation rather than an actual prop. Like somebody 
3D printed this. Um, but next to it was a really cool maquette of the lizard that I looked at and thought, I think this was used on set, actually, as kind of like the on-set reference for not only the actors, but also visual effects artists to kind of replicate. So I thought that was pretty cool. So again, more um, visual visuals, footage, photos, and stuff like that are going to be compiled into a video that's going to be going up on the Niche channel. But right now, you can find a couple of shots here and there uh, up on my Twitter and on my Instagram. So again, links in the description, or simply just go on those social media platforms at Dark Spider David, and you guys can find that there. And that pretty much took up a couple of hours, actually total i think it took up a majority of our day because not only did we go through the spider-man exhibit but eh, there were still a couple of little corners here and there inside of the comic Con museum that we checked out some were dedicated to the rocketeer uh some had a some had a couple of uh, mock-up costumes from uh, marvel stuff and dc stuff um there was a corner that was actually dedicated to the 40th anniversary of pac-man so me and the girlfriend kind of went through that real quick uh, and that was pretty much it, but of course, half of that was the actual exhibit, and then the other half was us driving to and from this place. And then we were in the mood for pizza, and of course, like I said, being on a budget, we didn't want to go crazy at one of these like really fancy pizza places, so we start stopped at Blaze. But frankly, it hit the spot. You know, it was thin pizza, but it was you know put together in a organic kind of way, and I was like, you know, what? I like this. Fuck it. You know, I, I liked it. So we topped off on pizza uh, and simply just went back to the hotel. But on the way to the hotel, we stopped at a place called Paris Baguette and topped off on desserts. Some nice little bakeries, pastries, things like that. And uh, that was really about it for our Saturday night. Moving on. <laughs> We're going to ignore the fact that it's my birthday and our anniversary on the same day. On Saturday night. Moving on to Sunday morning where we woke up uh, rather relaxed and chill. But it was finally time to check out. Another big props to the hotel is that their checkout time is literally noon. I mean, that's kind of fucking sick. Because it's probably the first time I had a hotel check us out at noon. At noon. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, as a person who's definitively not a morning person, that is dope. So we check out, and on the way out, we go and get breakfast. We stop at a place called Dick something. Dick, hold on. Let me check on my phone real fast. But it was still in the nearby area. Uh, it was Dick Dick something. Dick. Yeah, I'm trying to research it right now on my phone. I, I, I legit cannot remember. I, I really can't. But it was definitely in the Irvine area. And it was in a, it was a pretty decent place, a little a little closed off and a little compacted. You know, it's one of those places where just getting up to the restroom, you're probably going to bump into somebody. And the tables and such are very close together or, you know, within each other's spaces. And I know this because the discount version of the cast of Sex and the City were seated right next to us. And they were most definitely partaking in Sunday morning or Sunday morning slash afternoon brunch where, you know, some of the specialty items were mimosas and margaritas. Trying really hard to not try to find their car outside and slash their tires. But thankfully, 
I was able to mellow out and cool off once I got some coffee in my system from there. Even though, gotta be honest, wasn't exactly the best coffee. It did the job, but it wasn't. It, even I can. T- it, it's funny because my girlfriend beat me to the punch uh, later on when I actually decided to stop by for an extra cup of coffee from this place called Euro Cafe. And the reason why I remember this name is because this particular uh, place uh, or chain had the Nutella latte, and so I ordered her and I a Nutella latte. And I hit the spot. And when I ordered it, not only did she like it, and it's funny because this is my second time having the Nutella latte. The first time was actually when me and my buddies were in San Diego uh, last year. And they ordered the ice Nutella latte. And, the, and I decided to partake and order one myself. And I could not forget the taste because it has that hazelnut Nutella taste. But, it, it, you know, it's kind of like a sweet but also kind of bitter and the, the, the bitterness of the espresso used inside from the latte is counteracting it. So it, you get the kick of the coffee while at the same time, what I love about spreading Nutella on my toast or on my pancakes or on my crepes, etc. It just it hit the spot. And I, it became memorable to me. And I thought to myself, if I could find another place that serves it, I need to get it, let alone have, you know, share it with St- uh, my girlfriend so that her name is Stacy. Fuck it. It's a very common name. Um share it with her and see what she you know, thinks about it. And thankfully, not only was she down for it, she really liked it, but she also realized that the coffee at the breakfast place was not all that great. And so she agreed with me and she was thankful that we were having a second dose of really hot but also really punchy coffee such as that. Thankfully, though, the food ended up making up for it because she got what was pretty much avocado toast, but it was a much fancier avocado toast that came with a bunch of greenery on it, spinach, cilantro, bunch of leaves, bunch of rabbit food on it, as I like to tease her about it. Um, but also, uh, you know, a couple of like like uh, shallots and, and things like that on it. That You know, she gave me a bite and actually it was pretty good. I got what is probably going to be my new little love here. And that's going to be the Monte Cristo sandwich. And it's pretty much French toast used as the bread. But inside is Swiss cheese, uh, some slices of turkey, smoked ham, and honey ham compacted together. And I don't know how I went this long without ever buying a Monte Cristo sandwich before. And from now on, if I could find places that specialize in Monte Cristo sandwiches... I'm going to go with them because this place actually did manage to hit the spot. After that, guess what time it was. Since we were already checked out of the hotel and we needed, uh, you know, some place to kind of take advantage of the time that we were still in these kind of city areas before finally heading home, I looked at her and told her that magical phrase. You want to go to Frankenstein's? <laughs> it's Sunday. They're open. And she needed gift ideas for one of her best friends whose birthday is next week. So we went to Frankenstein's and pretty much killed the last uh, couple of hours that they were open for. Because at this point, it was already 3 o'clock. We went in, went to the floors. I actually picked up a couple of McFarlane's that were on sale for 8 bucks each because the vendor was having a blowout sale. She found uh, a t-shirt and a sticker for her friend. So... We left uh, pretty satisfied. We walked, you know, we walked off breakfast. We finished up our coffee. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty, a pretty swell kicker. And I, we knew that, you know, things were coming down to to an end here. So we started heading home. 
Uh, we were back in town, but before we actually did, you know, cap things off, we stopped at Olive Garden because I was kind of craving some Italian, but at the same time, wasn't really all that hungry when we were still down there for those fancy places, so we had to compromise. And plus, I technically did have a birthday coupon for a free dessert at Olive Garden with an uh, uh with the purchase of an entree. So I figured, fuck it, you know, let's go to Olive Garden. We had the giant stuffed shells. I ordered the, what was it, chocolate lasagna as the dessert. Took that home. We ate it a couple of hours later. And I got, and that, that pretty much embodies what the weekend was, which was that it was simple, wasn't overly fancy, wasn't overly glamorous. I mean, even I told her that I'm sorry that our anniversary slash my birthday kind of getaway wasn't as fancy and as scaled up as other others have been in years past but she looked at me and said hey i had fun did you have fun and i'm i'm i'll be honest i'm like well technically yeah i did i i appreciated the simplicity and there was no tension there was no uh skepticism like there was hardly a time where i was skeptical about something not panning out none of that happened it's ironic because I still had constipation issues throughout the weekend. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here or there. So Sunday night, you know, came home and I was like, you know what? That was a nice weekend. That was a very nice weekend. And one other eventful thing that did happen this past week that I was both looking forward to and also mildly dreading only because of just where, you know, how much I love this show, how much I, I appreciated what it was able to achieve, what it was able to do. And that was Better Call Saul. For those who keep up with the show and are huge fans of the Breaking Bad universe, you know that the spin-off slash prequel show centering around one of the side characters from the original Breaking Bad show, Saul Goodman, uh, a.k.a. Jimmy McGill, came to a close this past week, just a couple of days, just literally a couple of days after my birthday, you know, the grand finale, series finale for Better Call Saul ending on its sixth season. So it's funny how it went off for an extra season than Breaking Bad, even though Breaking Bad was also kind of six seasons. They did that weird thing where the first season was only like six episodes, which makes sense because it's it's like a, a starter thing. It was kind of like a t it, they were kind of testing the grounds for the show. But of course, it, it kind of took off. It became a phenomenon and it was greenlit for like two or three episode, uh, seasons at a time. But seasons two through four were all 13 episodes. Season 5, they did this weird thing that they started to do a lot with Walking Dead. I don't know why AMC likes to do this. Where Season 5 was a two-parter, and each part was eight uh, episodes. But the first eight came out one year in 2012, and then the last eight came out in 2013. Because of how big of a space there was, it was kind of like... So there were like 16 episodes, and, and it's called like Season 5A, Season 5B. And to me, that's like, well, it's, it, to me, it feels more like season five and season six. You know, it's kind of like in that we weird middle ground area. Um, with, season, with Better Call Saul, it was definitively a final season that was a two-parter. I don't know why the break happened, but I know that they it was a 13-episode season, and they did seven episodes, took a break for about three or four weeks, and then came back about 
you know a little towards the uh, towards the beginnings of July to then wrap things up for the last six episodes. Um, and I was playing just a little bit of catch up, but I was looking forward to this season. I was caught up. I was, like I said, looking forward to it and dreading it because, you know, a lot of great shows uh, to have a tendency to to end in a very distasteful way. Uh, I know a lot of people weren't huge fans of the way Lost ended. Definitely a lot of ire and hatred for the way Game of Thrones ended. I know that that was a b- big one that a lot of people despise, especially people who were fans of the show, people who stuck around because it's a, it's a worthwhile investment. You know, it's little, literal years of investment because it's, you know, you know, with a movie, you go in, you watch the movie and then that's that. Um, you know, obviously the quality of the movie, you can then call upon it, say, Hey, I like this. I didn't like this, et cetera, et cetera. But with a TV show, you're coming back week to week to week. Um, and there's arguably more hours of content there. I hate to use the word content when in relation to movies and television, but there's just there's more hours of substantial story there for a TV show versus a movie. You know, like you can take a tr- you can take um, uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, and that's technically only about less than a season of a TV show. Well, almost any given TV show, let alone a, sh- a show like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. So. There's quite a bit of an investment for someone who's a fan of these things to, you know, kind of tune in every week, especially when still keeping in line with the week-to-week model like AMC shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which is surprising considering that Better Call Saul was able to retain that style of TV watching despite so many shows going to streaming. Now, granted, there's AMC+, Plus, but it was still released week-to-week-to-week. Um, I know Disney Plus is technically still adopting that. Um, speaking of Disney Plus, I look forward to my week-to-week She-Hulk reviews, unless, like I said, um, things don't pan out. But I think next week we will start reviewing She-Hulk, since uh, the plan is for me and the girlfriend to finally start watching later this week, or or at some point this week. Because I know episode one is probably already out by the time you're listening to this, but me and the girlfriend have yet to... Um, get together because I know that's going to be another one of our shows, one of our couple shows. So for now, I'll leave you with this. I watched the finale. I wanted to end on good notes. So not only did I watch the finale, but I also watched the second because I was an episode behind, um, mainly because I didn't know how much soon that mid-season premiere was going to ca- uh, kind of come back up. Um, so I fell one episode behind, just one. But I thought to myself, you know what? Instead of putting everything off by one episode and knowing how trigger-happy people are with the way they like to post things on social media, the way Instagram works with its annoying algorithm, YouTube, especially with the recommendations and just fleshing things on, saying like, oh, hey, almost a year ago you watched this scene from Breaking Bad, so I'm going to go ahead and show you the finale scene from Better Call Saul for no fucking reason. And that almost did happen. That almost did happen. So thank God I did watch the finale that night. Uh, but what I decided to do was pretty much watch the penultimate episode, the second to last episode that I was behind on, and the finale back to back. So it's, it was almost like a little mini movie, because both of those episodes together pretty much was like a little over two hours of Better Call Saul. So I was like, yeah, this is the way to end it. And man, what a way to end it. And I'm not going to lie, at first I did think that it was lacking a little bit of that punch, a little bit of that bang. Uh, both um, metaphorically and quite literally, that the Breaking Bad finale had. 
Because the Breaking Bad finale had not only a little bit of an action set piece, but also it had a very bombastic and flashy way, both metaphorically and literally, to end things on. But as I thought about it, as I went to bed that night and then woke up the next morning and thought about the finale even further and further, I came to the realization that that's okay. Because that it, it pretty much summarizes what Better Call Saul really is, which is still a corner of its universe, but with some uh, of the Breaking Bad universe still taking place. It still feels like it's connected. It still feels like it's part of that universe, like I said, part of that whole environment, uh, that whole story, that whole saga. But with something completely different to say. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like it, it's it, it would be boring to just kind of touch on the same themes that Breaking Bad did because they already did that. Better Call Saul did an exceptional job of making sure that it's tackling different themes for a different character who went through a different change. And the finale, the or rather the last couple of episodes, did an exceptional job of nailing that. And it's crazy because, and I'm going to keep it spoiler free, don't worry, no spoilers here for either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. So it's it might not even be that big of a deep dive here in my, my uh, personal impressions here. Um... But there's certain things towards the end here that I thought that they were going to do. And I thought to myself, I hope they don't because Walt's story in Breaking Bad did go in those directions, did go into those um, into those crevices of darkness. And because of that, something needed to happen to make up for those dark moments to kind of give a, a, a sense of uh, cathartic payoff. Um, that made sense for a character like Walter White. I didn't want that to happen for the characters in Better Call Saul 100% or beat for beat, repeat them. And thankfully it didn't. Thankfully the the show was almost kind of self-aware that if they go that extra mile, they're going to have to do something that they kind of similarly did with Breaking Bad. And they never went, they went in a different direction where it's like, hey, we're not retelling Breaking Bad. We're telling Jimmy's story, a.k.a. Saul's story. And it's also crazy to think that despite being labeled as a prequel show, it's funny because chronologically it is a prequel show, but if you have not seen either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, I, I, I'm still going to say start with Breaking Bad. Don't watch Better Call Saul first just because it's a, a prequel show. You're It's actually both a prequel and a sequel. That's all I'll say about that. Like it, There's pockets here and there that serve as a sequel, but for a purpose. Like you, you, it, It's funny because... It almost felt unnecessary at the beginning to have these sequel-ish kind of moments. Um, and it, that's something that we've had to deal with a little bit before with El Camino, the uh, Breaking Bad movie. Uh, which everybody agrees is an awesome movie, but a Netflix movie, to give a, a, an epilogue to one of the characters in Breaking Bad. But we all agree that it was pretty much unnecessary. It still could have Breaking Bad could have still ended the way that it did for that particular character. And the El Camino movie adds a little bit that it's almost like a dessert. It was arguably a dessert. Or I think I one of my analogies that I used was when you order your meal and your and your fries and 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 you you know everything is you know great a great meal you have a great fine dining experience at a restaurant and that's breaking bad el camino was pretty much the equivalent of either a free dessert that you weren't planning on ordering but they said hey you got 
points on our reward system and that earned you a free dessert. Completely unnecessary, but you're welcome it, it, you welcome it and the dessert, it tastes great. That's pretty much what El Camino is. Or if we're going the fast food route, it's like ordering a side of fries. The fries are great, but then at the bottom of the fries container, you find that magical onion ring that was not part of your order, but it was cook to order and it just happened to stumble in there <laughs> and you eat it and you're like oh that was good I didn't need that you know I didn't order onion rings but they're in there and I ate them and they were great and that's pretty much what El Camino ended up being Better Call Saul was actually going back to the restaurant and ordering something different and taking the gamble with that something different because it has ingredients that you're like eh, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that because you didn't think it was 100% necessary, like a spinoff for a side character from Breaking Bad. And lo and behold, it's either, for some people, it might end up being just as good. For others, it might even be even better. For me, it was just as good as that first fine dining experience. And that's pretty much what Better Call Saul uh, ended up being here. Ending with a really poignant uh, finale that, like I said, it's not bombastic, it's not showy, it, it's, it doesn't end on a bang, but it still ends in a way that gives so much payoff to what it's been setting up in these five, or, or rather six uh, seasons, in a way where, uh, it, you know, it just connects so many things and gives so much um, context to things earlier that you thought, oh, what was, like, there's a... a, a what was originally just a throwaway line in Breaking Bad ends up coming back full circle here in Better Call Saul, where I was like, oh, shit, that's why he said those things. You know, we weren't thinking twice at all about it, and now we're like, oh, like all that stuff. Is it perfect? Not 100%. There's times in the finale specifically that it feels a little reunion-y. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but there's times where it does feel like a bit of a reunion where you're like, but at the same time, the, the, one of the foundations as to why they did that was because recently Vince Gilligan and, and Peter Gould, who created the show, um, did express. Uh, well, they didn't really just express, but they pretty much confirmed that this is it. This they're not. They don't want to. You know, this combined with the movie, they they're done with the Breaking Bad universe. They want to move on. They want to move on to other things. Uh, as well as the actors. Recently, they confirmed, uh, AMC confirmed that Bob Odenkirk is going to be doing his own separate show. Um, that he's going to be starring in. I think he might be producing as well. I don't know. Giancarlo Esposito is going to be in a different show on AMC. Uh, and then Vince Gilligan. I don't know if he's working on this with P uh, 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 Thomas Schultz or, or I mean, I'm sorry, Thomas Peter Gould and or Thomas Schnauz. That those are some of the headliners over there at Breaking Bad. Um, I don't know if he's working with them, but I know that he's planning on doing like a sci-fi type thing that's X-Files with a little bit of com his uh, own his personal style and tone of comedy that he's brought to Breaking Bad and Barack Uh He's doing something that's akin to that. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I And that's the thing. I, I really do think that this is where it needs to be left at. Like enough with the Breaking Bad universe. Like this is perfect. But like I said, it, it wasn't 100% perfect, like a 10 out of 10. Like it, The only thing that I can nitpick about it was that, about the finale specifically, is that it felt a little reunion-y here and there. And then season six as a whole, I would personally say, if someone were to ask me, like, where would I rank the seasons? I would say Better Call Saul peaked with, like, the last half of four and then pretty much all of season five. Because the last half of four had a particular character that 
Jimmy slash Saul was constantly clashing with and it came to a boil. And then season five was Jimmy trying to clean a little bit of that up while at the same time, you know, that cleanup process is with him not knowing pretty much uh, creating the transformation on him as Walter White said in the pilot for Breaking Bad, you know, chemistry is all about uh, growth, decay, transformation. Jimmy slash Saul is pretty much doing that throughout of not only the show, but predominantly in season four and five. And in five is where you start to see a little bit of the Saul Goodmanisms. And that's why those two seasons, uh, it's four and five to me, are exceptional with uh, Better Call Saul. Six is still great writing, great directing, and great performances. There's so many Emmy moments that I can pick out from season six that I'm like, yeah, they're going to give it uh, specifically to Rhea Seahorn, who plays uh, Kim Wexler. I, I I will admit, I will get a little irritated if she does not win. She has one particular scene in, was it the finale or the, no, I think it was the penultimate episode. Uh, she has a particular scene where I'm like, yep, yeah, that's going to be the clip. That's going to be the clip that they're going to show at the awards when she wins. Um. So yeah, everybody's still uh, is still on top of their game across the board, writing, directing, and, and acting. But the one little actual complaint, it's not even that much of a nitpick, it's a legitimate complaint that I didn't really find too much in seasons four and five of, of uh, Better Call Saul with season six, is that there's times where it feels a little rushed. It's weird. Like I, I mentioned this before on a, a quick tweet that I put out there, and a couple of times where I was in um, a Twitch stream or on a Discord where they were talking about Better Call Saul and they were, uh, you know, kind of exchanging opinions. And I threw mine in there saying that so far I'm still digging season six. It's still great television, but compared to seasons four and five, there was just something about it that felt like they were rushing to get to the finish line with wrapping up certain character arcs and story beats. Um, to the point where it almost made me feel like maybe they meant to have a season seven, maybe just maybe. And AMC was like, no, you got to end it now because we don't want to risk uh, burning out. And so the compromise or it was the other way around. Maybe AMC wanted the season seven, but um, but Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould uh, wanted to um, to end it on season six. And so the compromise that was reached was. A final season in season six, but they get to push it with 13 episodes instead of the traditional 10. And yeah, because there's little pockets here and there where I'm where we go from one episode having this big event happen, and then the next episode, another event happened. Like, I did with because I started the season a little later than everybody else, I went from the mid season finale to the mid season premiere from one week to the next. So seeing the things that happened in the mid-season finale to the mid-season premiere, I was like, oh, uh, wow, like, that's already happening? So, yeah, and, and even at the beginning, from the very beginning, there were things just escalating in, in a way that I just wasn't, I, I just didn't see be that quickly done in past seasons. In past seasons of Better Call Saul, it would be done with time and delicacy. And here... There were times where I was like, oh, oh, I just, we're doing this already. Okay. I was expecting because of the, the, you know, who it involves and what it's alluding to, I was expecting it to kind of swelter a little bit more and it didn't do that. So that's why 
I would say it, you know, if I was to like rank the seasons, it would be like five, four, maybe three, and then six, and then two, and then one, something like that. Even though they're all great, that would probably be my ranking. But the way it was able to wrap things up in a very, like I said, in a very different way while at the same time making itself aware that this is it for the Breaking Bad universe from these creators. It was it was bravo. Like I, the fact that I was still able to converse about the show, talk about the show, um, you know, go online and finally not have to deal with spoilers, but at the same time being able to just uh look at things introspectively. It's you know, it's great television. And um it's crazy to think that six years ago we when or rather seven, when they were announcing a Breaking Bad spinoff on Saul Goodman, we were all like, really? Can can that really work? And here we are legitimately not only saying that it worked, but also saying that Better Call Saul is one of the greatest shows ever. Is it gonna is it gonna topple Breaking Bad? I I think it's just as good, but for a different it's like saying that Chocolate ice cream is just as good as vanilla, but I, I am completely aware that they're different flavors. And those are just the textbook flavors. Uh, if I was to get a little bit more nuanced, I would say going for my two favorite flavors as far as two different brands, the um, Stephen Colbert uh, Americone Dream from Ben & Jerry's is just as great as Hagen dazs Irish Cream Spirit flavor, but they're completely different flavors. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're just as good, but to say one is better than the other would be a little unfair because they're different flavors. That's pretty much Breaking Bad to Better Call Saul. And I highly recommend it. Obviously, if you haven't already seen Breaking Bad, watch Breaking Bad first. But, you know, if you were a little close-minded to the Better Call Saul spinoff, please don't because you're in for a ride. And now time for a very quick what I've been playing. And really quick because there's not a whole lot that I can really divulge into this past week because I've been busy. It was the birthday weekend, such and such. So I did manage to wrap up. God damn, I can't believe I'm saying this. I completed, or eh, not really completed, but I beat. I rolled credits on Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs> right before the game was removed from Game Pass on the 15th, I did manage to finally play that and it's meant to be a short game it's just that like i said i had the uh birthday week weekend that you know with the vacation and um i was abroad so i wasn't able to sit down and, and formally play it but thankfully i thought to myself i think sunday night i might be able to come back and, and wrap it up for the last couple of hours and i was able to so i mentioned on the last episode that it's i kind of have to tiptoe around the subject matter of of Boyfriend Dungeon, specifically that character that they put in there. Funny enough, it turns out that there was a... This was addressed a number of times from different sides as far as this character. Like, the developers actually had to defend putting that character in, saying, hey, there's a reason for why that character was put in there to kind of address that subject matter, because it exists. Which I will admit, I can respect. I was like, okay, you know, it's like... It's like... um when uh you know whenever Warner Brothers like their old cartoons resurface and they have to put that disclaimer saying hey we're not gonna remove you know we're gonna say that yeah there's some insensitive stuff in these old cartoons from the 1940s and 50s but we're also not gonna 
alter it or delete it or erase it or vault it away because we're not going to pretend that that history wasn't embedded into us. We need to learn to be better. Like we're not going to just pretend it doesn't exist. Um, and that's kind of like the that's kind of the vibe that I got from them including this character in Boyfriend Dungeon. So I was like, all right, okay, I can kind of understand that. With that said, it still comes across as cringy all the way to the very end as far as the dating aspect, the way these characters kind of talk, the way it's not at all subtle about its themes where you're like, yeah, there's, there was something here as far as the angle of the way that this was all written. Now, as far as the dungeon crawling mechanics, it's funny because I read somewhere that this is intended to be a roguelite, and I'm like, well, I guess, you know, the procedurally generated dungeons, as, as far as not having a clear set map, like every time you enter one of these dunge, dungeons, as they call them here in the game, they get reorganized, reshuffled, and restructured in a way, so I was like, alright, I guess that that's kind of like the roguelite aspect, but I always attribute roguelike or roguelite to also this kind of set kind of difficulty, but I was leveling, leveling up like crazy. I don't know what was going on. There's no set difficulty as far as I can tell, but yeah, th this is not necessarily a tough game, frankly. Maybe that's one of the things that lends to it being relatively short, and there's also not too many dungeons. You know, it's called Boyfriend Dungeon. Uh, or, and, and I'm over here like, oh, you know, I'm going to be going through all these different dungeons. There's only like two or three, <laughs> you know, and, you know, the game gets kind of self-aware here and there that you can repeat some of them or go directly to the bosses so you can grind them out. But there's hardly ever an incentive to it because I gravitated towards a specific sword who I dated um, and I achieved maximum love capacity <laughs> with that sword. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't like her. Um, but it is kind of neat that once you beat the game, if you want to go and romance different swords and kind of max out their abilities, max out their love meter and stuff like that, you do get the freedom to do that. But yeah, you know, it was checked out of my Game Pass log and it got achieved you know like i said there's things here and there that the game lets you know like oh you can keep doing this even after you beat the game and i'm like no thank you i'm, I'm deleting this <laughs> i got the experience i i figured out what it was all about and who it was for and i'm done you know i'm i'm very very certain um that i'm done so that was my experience with boyfriend dungeon and wrapping it up one of the uh, pleasantries about it was knowing that i was able to beat it before it was removed from game pass because it, it gets kind of stressful um, to tackle games, not you know, even though they were on my list for you know backlog games, it sometimes gets a little uh, nerve wracking or I dare say stressful from a first world gamer problem perspective of you know hearing that a game is going to get removed from Game Pass and I'm like, all right, well I have to play this game before it gets removed because otherwise I'm going to have to pay for it. Uh, if I ever want to play it, and with a game like Boyfriend Dungeon, make no mistake, I was not going to pay for this thing <laughs> afterwards. So if it was removed from Game Pass and I hadn't beaten it, I would have probably looked up cutscenes on YouTube because I was like, nope, I'm not doing this myself. Uh, not doing this to myself. So I was thinking to myself, okay, I got that out of the way. Surely, you know, this can't happen in succession. It has re never really happened before it can't happen twice in a row where on the back half of uh, August because I know that they do it in two waves per month on the 15th they add games to Game Pass and they're going to remove some and then at the end of the month either the 30th or the 31st they do it again surely they cannot do this to me a second time motherfuckers they 
done it again. I had to jump to my backlog to start up and play Spirit Fair because Spirit Fair was on my much like Boyfriend Dungeon was on my list of Game Pass games to play out of the log. And unfortunately, it's going to be removed on August 31st. So once again, I had to pivot from what I was originally going to play and tackle Spirit Fair, which looked like a very interesting, cozy game uh, where you play as this character named Stella and you have to help out spirits in the form of these anthropomorphic animals transcend into pretty much heaven. Like they pretty much need to leave limbo. You're pretty much stuck on this interpretation of limbo. And you need to help them cross over to the other side before, but in order to do so, they need to take care of unfinished business. But it's also built as a management game. And I thought to myself, okay, well, a management game, that could still be addictive. That could still be uh, pleasant and, like I said, cozy. And ever so often, it looks like it's going to go into that direction. But I got to be honest. I've already poured about four or maybe five hours into the game thus far. And I don't know if it's going to be for me. Or at least it's not going to be for me on Xbox. Because there's little discrepancies, these little nuisances that a simulator game or a game management game has to find a certain itch or a certain groove for the player, and it's not finding that for me. And I have to be emphatic on the me part because I know that someone else, a different type of gamer, someone who's a bit more slower paced, or maybe someone who's brand new to games, someone who's might not even uh, that big of a gamer, and maybe they're this is their first game or whatever, might find this comforting. But there's little things built baked within the gameplay that just take up too much time. I remember looking up on how long to beat. Uh, yeah, obviously because we got the deadline here, August thirty first. How long does it take to uh, to to beat uh, Spirit Fair? Just doing the main story. Just doing the main story is twenty to twenty five hours. Doing the main story and then some of the side content, which is usually the play style that I fit into, takes about thirty to thirty five. And I'm like, that's pretty meaty. Why is it exactly? Is it really that much content and that much story and that much side activities? I Frankly, I don't think so. I think the reason why it's bloated out the way that it is is because there's certain tasks that require quite an awful lot of waiting. An awful lot of waiting, an awful lot of past timing. There's um, certain things that need to be built, certain dishes that need to be cooked, where it, it just takes up too much time. And... Going from one place to another on the map to uh, achieve certain objectives and meet certain things and gathering certain materials, it it just takes up too much time. And you have to go through some of these uh, dialogue trees and these certain interactions with some of the characters. And these characters, I know that the game is trying its hardest to get me to like them because there's meant to be like these amicable, amicable spirits that you're supposed to help transcend over to the other side. But if one of more of these motherfuckers ask, tells me that they're hungry, <laughs> someone's going overboard. <laughs> I wish. Uh, it's not that type of game. In fact, it's not very much. It's not at all a combative game. Because whenever the game was about to tell me that, oh, you have to take care of these jellyfish that are, quote unquote, attacking the boat, or you have to go and do these things, these this activity, and thinking to myself, oh, you know, some kind of combat, some kind of platforming system. No, you just. You just uh, press this button when the, t- the the game tells you to. 
like at a time. Or uh, it's a rhythm game. We have to play the guitar. You have to hit the buttons at the correct time. Or the jellyfish that I mentioned, you just have to run into them. You don't have to actually like hit them or require that much hand-eye coordination. You just have to like, or you know, just have to move in the area for the lightning to hit you. You know, just move, just move. You know, we're not here about violence. You know, <laughs> we're not here about combat. So it it it's not grabbing me. Is what I'm trying to say. Like the game overall is just not grabbing me, which is a shame because. The lore behind this afterlife world, you know, like I said, this this limbo that it's created for itself. And furthermore, the art style, the 2D animation baked within the characters, within their design patterns. The main character, Stella, whenever she, you know, reacts to something with her emotions and with her body language and the way she interacts with the environment and, and does things, it's beautiful. It's beautifully drawn. It's beautifully illustrated. But... It, I'm still, I'm like I said, I'm four or five hours in, and I'm still failing to find that thing that hooks me to be like, I want to do this again. I want to do this. There's so many activities that I don't want to do, but the game's telling me I have to do because I need a certain amount of uh, maple planks. I need a certain amount of these things called gleams, which is kind of like this game's top currency. But on top of that, I also need this certain amount of jellyfish. And then this character says that they want to complete this one thing. And then, again, some sandwiched in between is these characters saying that they're hungry, saying that they need their own place. And everything just gets boggered down and slowed down more when, like I said, not only is the traversal slow and gets interrupted by these events on the map um, on a 2D style, because if it wasn't 3D, it would remind me an awful lot of Wind Waker. And I'll be like, all right, I could maybe vibe with this. But it's in 2D. So you can only see so much on the frame at a time because of the 2D art style and the camera centered on just you. You get what I'm saying? Um, and sure, you can increase the size of the boat and potentially Im improve the boat to be a little bit speedier, a little bit faster. But it, it like I said, the, I know that those improvements are going to come later down the line and it just feels like there's just so much heavy work so much management work that it's just not for me. And it all made it gets made worse where there's certain it has a day night cycle and the boat will not move at nighttime. Yeah. There's like a evening section where it's still gonna move, but eventually it's gonna hit a point where it's like, okay, well you have to go to bed now. Or I mean you could stay up and cook, but this boat is not going anywhere. And I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's a placebo thing. I don't know if it's a just a mind thing. But the days are certainly shorter than the nights. Like, I feel like the days go by quick. And I'm not just saying that, like, you know, like a, like a relative thing. Like, oh, I'm having too much fun. No. I physically feel like the days go by quickly. And then before I know it, the, 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 the boat stops moving. It's like, oh, well, it's nighttime. You have to go to bed. Like, I go, going to the bed and pressing the X button to fast forward to the next morning, I feel like I've been doing that more than actually progressing in the story. And because of that, like I said, it brings so many things to a halt because I'm trying to get to somewhere on the map to get those the, 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 those pieces of wood, those resources, and then advance more in these characters' stories so I can help them move on. But then the boat stops because it's nighttime and you have to go to bed or, you know, if you want to spend the time wisely, cook these these dishes so that when they are hungry, then but then the cooking takes too long unless you improve the kitchen. But guess what? To improve the kitchen, you need the source, but you can't get to that source because you have to go to sleep because you have to get the boat moving. 
I'm hoping that I'm painting the picture as to why this game might just be a little better on the Switch. And it pains me, pains me, pains me, pains me to say that because literally last week, this game was on sale for just 10 bucks, as opposed to the full price 30 that it's at now. And I was like, well, it's on Game Pass. I don't have to, you know, I know it's only 10 bucks, but it is on Game Pass. I'll play it eventually. And lo and behold, Game Pass reveals that this game is going to get removed on the 31st, which means that there was probably a reason for why that sale was happening in the first place last week. And I should have nabbed it. I, I don't get me wrong. I fucking regret not getting it for ten bucks last week, because then I, it could have been on the Switch. I could have played it when I got the chance. When I'm out and about, like this is a perfect game to take with you, so that when you are cooking those dishes, when you are doing that remedial shit, it could be traveling with you. You know, you could be. Uh, I could be waiting for traffic to die down. Uh, if I'm ever in the office and I still have to drive a certain amount. Or if I'm over at my girlfriend's place, I could still log hours into it and get it done quicker. But being on the Xbox, I'm like, I could be playing something else. So I'll let you guys know what decision I make this time next week when the next episode comes around. Because I got to be honest, I might have to give up on this one because like nothing is hooking me. And if nothing is hooking me by hour six or seven... It makes me think to myself: instead of putting more time that I'm ultimately that I could have ultimately put into another game, I could just pivot and switch on over to something else. And maybe, just maybe, later down the line, there will be another sale for the game on the eShop or even on Best Buy. I think it was it was on on sale across the board, not just on eShop, but also on Amazon, on Best Buy. It was ten bucks for the digital code of Spirit Fair, and I could have nabbed it, but fuck, I didn't. And I regret it. So hopefully, maybe that'll come around soon. But I'll keep you guys posted next week. If I stick around with Spirit Fair, if something does eventually grab me, if not, I'll pivot to something else that I can then definitely talk about on the game segment next week. Hey guys, you want to talk about delays? Well, I mean, I do. <laughs> yeah, you guys, I would say it's a good barometer amongst what kind of gamer you are. Um... I I honestly do think that whenever news break out about delays or things like that, it really kind of levels or it kind of it gives an impression of what kind of uh, gamer um, you really come from and also how old of a gamer you are. Because now being in my 30s and, you know, where things are, you know, where priorities lie as far as life, as far as tackling what needs to be done day to day, things like that. When I get, when I see that I really am starting to transcend, I really am starting to you know, metamorphosize into a mind state where whenever I see a headline saying so-and-so got delayed, one of the games I was, you know, either looking forward to or at least had under my radar for the year, and I'm seeing the headline saying it gets delayed, I'm like, you know, for a fleeting second, for quite literally just a fleeting second, I'm over here like, oh no, and then just as quickly, just as fucking quickly, that feeling just out the window and immediately I think to myself, oh, well, that spot in the year just opened up <laughs> or those weeks just opened up for me to, you know, take my time with a certain game that I was thinking about playing or looking at my ginormous backlog and thinking to myself, oh, I could weed out these entries out of here. Um, and it's looking like it's a lot of that is going to be going down here in these last few months of the year. Um 
for, you know, on the larger scale and on the smaller scale. And it's also an interesting topic that's kind of also made me think about my personal list of games of 2022, um, which I'm not going to go into too much detail only because I feel like I have tackled that a little in the premiere episode when we were talking about the check-in on Game of the Year and what games we have looked forward, what games I have lo- looking forward to in the remainder of the year. So I'm not going to, you know, spend too much time on that one. But the two um, games, the two culprits here, like I said, one on the smaller scale, one on the big scale. So the biggest one that was making news waves because of where it's coming from, because of its scale, its name brand. It's it's a game that's not even just a video game. It's also part of a brand, part of this large scale thing was Hogwarts Legacy. Hogwarts Legacy has been delayed out of 2022 into officially 2023. If you want to look at it in some capacity, it only got delayed a handful of months, like two, three months. But because it was slated for an original, originally holiday, originally planned holiday release, whenever a game developer says holiday and then the year, it typically implies that they're aiming for November, sometimes maybe October, but mainly November. At the latest, the very first week of December. You can't really release a, a game further than that. Because when you do that, two things are happening. Either A, you're just trying to squeeze into an already crowded season, or B, you, the investors are pushing the developer to release a game before it's ready. Because the past couple of months have for sure shown us that in full capacity. Or the past couple of months, the past couple of years. Just look at 2020 and 2021, respectively. 2020, Cyberpunk 2077. When that game was coming out December 10th, 11th, or whatever, and I'm like, "Uh, you're barely meeting that holiday deadline for people to buy it come Christmas time. Why not push it to the early months of of, uh, 2021? And look how that happened. And then a year later, Halo Infinite. The the core the single player campaign wasn't all that bad it wasn't broken but so many features that make up Halo for what it is Halo co op and Forge were gone and look at where it's at now because it was piecemealed throughout the year you know people are playing the Master Chief Collection more so than they are that original Halo Infinite game so when i knew that they kept you know they kept saying holiday holiday 2022 and they were very very quiet wonder brothers games and the official hogwarts legacy twitter handle were barely posting little videos kind of showing up some features some gifs with like a little tagline saying oh you know explore anywhere at any time or some generic shit like that i was like y'all yeah, been real quiet and it's we're already halfway through august and then jeff grubb who I don't follow, but because I follow the topic of game development, um, whenever he, you know he's an insider, so whenever he tweets something that's might be like foreshadowing something or alluding to something, it does pop up in my feed. And he tweeted saying, "Hey guys, remember Hogwarts Legacy?" And that's what kind of prompted me to look up those feeds and be like, "Yeah, when was the last time they actually talked about Hogwarts Legacy?" And it's been a while. Well, it turns out that maybe he knew something. And he was hinting at it in the vaguest way that he could possibly do so. Because it was on August 12th when Warner Brothers, WB Games, and Portkey, Portkey Games, I think is the developer, uh, officially announced through the Hogwarts Legacy Twitter that it's been delayed. 
This is the official statement they put out. Hogwarts Legacy will launch on February 10th, 2023. So it's bittersweet. It's a delay, but the sweet part is that they're giving us a concrete date. It's no longer a window like holiday 2022. It's an official date. February 10th, 2023 for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. The Nintendo Switch launch date will be revealed soon. The team is excited for you to play, but we need a little bit more time to deliver the best game possible. And I think somewhere also in the article, they mentioned that it's going to be... Oh, no, it's going to be launching on all platforms except the Switch. The Switch is the only version that they said, oh, that's going to come on later. But all other consoles, PS5, XNS, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC are going to be coming February 10th. Um, So it's kind of obvious that them being quiet, it was pretty much, uh, you know, them being quiet spoke, you know, a lot, spoke a lot of words of them pretty much admitting that, yeah, game's not ready. It's not going to make the holiday. And they probably thought about all those cautionary tales. I mean, keep in mind, this is being published by WB Games. WB Games, you know who, what other game WB Games published? Cyberpunk 2077. Um, So I feel like there was probably a cautionary tale there um, that was probably looked at. And it's funny because this is officially its second delay. Originally, it was supposed to come out in 2021 before it got delayed into 2022. Frankly, though, with the scope of the game that we're dealing with here, as far as, you know, Hogwarts and being able to explore not only inside of the castle, but the grounds inside the castle and the spells and, you know, tackling the RPG mechanics of what a great uh, Harry Potter RPG or, or a Wizarding World RPG can be. Yeah, I think it might need this extra little bit of time to polish. And who knows? I will not even rule out the possibility of a second delay. Maybe by a month or so, leading into like March or April. But it it just wouldn't necessarily surprise me. So that got bumped out of my list of 2022 games. Another game that is in my radar for 2022 that's still technically in 2022, but just recently got revealed to be delayed as well, is a little game called Evil West. It's kind of, it, well, kind of little, because it's not necessarily an indie game, but it's also not a full AAA blockbuster. It's one of those AA games uh, being developed by Flying Wild Hog and Focus Entertainment, so they're kind of they kind of operate in that in-between area, kind of similar to games like uh, Plague Tale Requiem or uh, Plague Tale Innocence, where it's, you know, it's bigger than a indie game, but it's not as large scale as fucking God of War or whatever, whenever Nintendo puts out something big, uh, things like that. So Evil West got delayed very most recently, just uh, yeah. Uh, at the time of this recording, just a handful of hours ago. Uh, this is the official statement posted by the publisher of Focus Entertainment. And, uh, of course, with that traditional backdrop, you know, you know, you know, it's a del- it's funny because I didn't even read. I just saw the screen grab that said Evil West and then a bunch of text with the two logos of the publisher and the developer at the bottom. And instantly I was like, it got delayed. Now, how long of a delay are we dealing with here? So the statement reads, Dear players, first of all, we would like to thank you for your continued support and patience for Evil West. We are overwhelmed by the incredible reception the game has gotten so far from our trailers and the demos some of you played at PAX East. We are working on very best to achieve our vision of Evil West and to meet your expectations. Evil West releases on five platforms, including multiple generations of consoles. Given our game... 
giving our game more polish is crucial to providing our players with not only good but also lasting memories. That's something that we've always pursued. To ensure that the game reaches its full potential, we have made the decision to delay the worldwide launch of Evil West to November 22nd, 2022. We understand that game delays may be frustrating, but it's a necessary step to deliver the best experience to everyone. Thank you again for the awesome support and dedication. It drives us forward and pushes us to create the weirdest, wildest western ride for all of you. Flying Wild Hog and Focus Entertainment. So this is only about a two-month delay. It didn't get pushed out of the year. It was originally supposed to come out September 20th, I believe, and got pushed to November 22nd. So it's technically still happening in 2022. But again, it's not... If a game like Hogwarts Legacy, which got you know, a big publisher like WB Games behind it can get delayed, so can this. Um, so we'll, we'll see where things go. This game was on my radar because it's kind of like a third-person looter shooter with supernatural um, Western vibes to it. I know it's not necessarily like the most original game to do this because even this year we had two other games come out with the little word West in the title. Um, Weird West, which is on Game Pass, and I tried playing a little bit and I couldn't really get into the sim simulation aspects of and then uh hard west 2 the sequel to hard west which is a, like a XCOM that takes place in a supernatural version of the, the the wild west so but this one takes on the much more like traditional third person you get to shoot kind of like gears of war over the shoulder type mechanics but you also get to loot things and take on boss fights and things like that but the gameplay actually did look fun i remember people often saying in the comment section that it reminds them of that uh ps3 360 era of games that were just fun you know they were stupid and ridiculous but they were still kind of fun like darksiders or um the darkness the darkness 2 um prototype prototype 2 those kind of games um this kind of feels like it harkens back to that, and I'm intrigued. I'm not like day one, oh my god, I need to buy it. But I'm very, very intrigued in this game. It just looks like it's going to have to wait a little longer because it got pushed out of September, which means right now there's nothing coming out this month for the remainder couple of weeks of August that we have that intrigue me. No, I don't give a shit about the Saints Row reboot. And then in September, this was one of the two games I was interested in. The other one, which is still on track to come out September 9th, was Splatoon 3. So it's literally just Splatoon 3. And even Splatoon 3 is not a day one. It's more like, a, eh, let me see what the reviews say. And then maybe I'll pull the trigger on it if I have the money to spare. So it's not even on that high list of priority levels. The first game that I'm dropping everything forward to play, and thankfully I don't have to buy it, it's going to be on Game Pass, is Plague Tale Requiem. And that's not until October 18th. So I figured this is probably going to be as good a time as any to maybe start up Elden Ring. Maybe finally, or maybe wheedle some other things out of the backlog. We shall see. But this also made me think, what other, other games could potentially get delayed out of 2022 that don't even have a date? And the last time that they were asked, they were like, oh, yeah, 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 it's coming in, in, in 2022. And I'm like, I'm sincerely starting to doubt that, like, most heartedly. So I'm looking at my list of what games don't have a date. Um, and yeah, I gotta be honest, all of them have been relatively quiet, some more than others. Right now, my quote-unquote nominees for games that I think for sure are gonna probably get delayed out of 2022 because, like I said, we're in the sunset months already, and some of these games, 
I think the last time that we got snippets of there either showed up in some kind of sizzle reel. I think maybe at Xbox's showcase, but that was like a couple months back. And since then, they've been quiet. And I'm like, for a game that is supposed to come out in 2022, I feel like you should have at least given us a window by now. But all they say is 2022. And I'm like, these are going to get delayed. The fact that you don't even have a window, let alone like a story trailer or deep dive, I'm like, mm, it's not looking too good. And those two nominees are Atomic Heart and Hellblade 2 Senua's Saga. Or Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. Those are my two candidates right now. Where if somebody were to ask me, what are the the games that are going to be delayed out of 2022? It's those two. Those are the two. And out of those two, Hellblade 2 Atomic Heart, I can see maybe meeting it by December. But Hellblade 2 is the one that I'm looking at. I'm going, you're not coming out this year. I'm going to keep you on my list for now until there's a formal statement. But my money is that it gets delayed for sure. And then the other two games that I do have on my list, but I'm a a little bit more lax on to say, and they have a likelier chance of seeing uh, the light of day in 2022, only because one, one of them is an indie game that is a sequel to one of my favorite indie games in recent memory, but it is a 2D side scrolling or side, yeah, side scrolling kind of explorative type game. So I don't know how much of it you know, how much development workload it requires to put out. I feel like maybe the story requires more effort and and work on it, uh, aside from the gameplay, and that's Oxenfree 2. So Oxenfree 2, they just keep saying 2022. They haven't given us an actual date. But that's a game that I can see them kind of just silently working on, and then at the very last minute, they'll be like, oh, yeah, it comes out in a couple of weeks or next month. You know what I'm saying? Because it's Oxenfree 2. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give that one the benefit of the doubt. And then Sonic Frontiers. That one's another one that they just keep saying 2022. For a little while, it looked like it was kind of coming up on being done, especially with how much gameplay they've been giving to IGN to showcase. But I would probably say the one thing that makes me go, "Eh, there's a possibility it might get delayed, is the reception. Not so much them not being done on the game, but the way that people have torn this game apart um, in th- the couple of instances that it's been showcased is it, possibly enough for the developers to be like, I think we need to go back to that drawing board. <laughs> um, and it's possible because, you know, like I said, the game's looking empty. Mechanics don't look all that um, flashy, especially for a game for a character like Sonic, who's supposed to be flashy, who's supposed to be fast and frenetic. It's not hitting. It's not hitting. You know what I'm saying? And so those are the four games on my list that I'm looking at and going, yeah, I don't know about you guys, Chief. I really, really don't. But everything else has a set date. Now, that's not to say that certain games can't be delayed even with that date. Evil West, even though it got only delayed a couple of months, it's so late in the game that I'm like, unless they, if they stay this quiet that they've been another month or so, I wouldn't roll out a second delay until like January or February of 2023. And it'll officially be pushed out of the year. Um, All of the games, though, I would probably say are a little certain, which is ironic because the game that we do want to see get delayed is the one that's probably going to hit that date, and that's Gotham Knights. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? Isn't that fucking ironic? So, yeah, you know. Delays suck, but as we always say in the video game industry, or what did Shigeru Miyamoto say? That a 
fin- a rushed game is forever, but I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly the quote, but you get the point. You know, it, delays can only be good for video games. It's it's when you get to movies that things can maybe look a little uh, a little sussy when delay after delay frequently happens. And then one last piece of gaming news, uh, small but kind of effective and interesting, especially because it's technically a first. It looks like Disney and Marvel are jumping into kind of creating their own little showcases, their own little things to put emphasis on their gaming division. This is the article over from IGN. A first ever Disney and Marvel games showcase will debut next month. So it's kind of around the corner. Featuring brand new video game announcements from the likes of Star Wars, Pixar, Marvel, and more. The digital showcase will debut during the D23 Expo on September 9th and has already promised further updates on Marvel's Midnight Suns. So despite its delay, I think maybe here's where we'll get our concrete date in 2023. Uh, Amy Hennig's Marvel Ensemble game from Skydance New Media, Lego Star Wars to Skywalker Saga, DLC most likely, and Disney Dreamlight Valley. Marvel Games... That's that, that's one of the big ones to me, to be honest. Not so much on the Disney side or even the Star Wars side, but Marvel Games. Marvel Games, Lucasfilm Games, and 20th Century Games. 20th Century Fox, so probably the Avatar game is probably going to make an appearance. Will all be present to some degree during the showcase, bringing reveals, announcements, and trailers for new and upcoming games, according to Disney. The Disney and Marvel Games Showcase will be streamed simultaneously online, meaning even those not at the D23 Expo can watch along. It will be available on the Expo's YouTube and social media channels alongside Disney and Marvel's main channels at 1 p.m. Pacific on September 10th. What day is that, to be honest? I want to check and see what uh, actual day of the week it is. Oh, it's Saturday. Perfect. It's a Saturday. Nice. Okay. It's perfect. And the reason why is because... If it was in the, you know, during a weekday, I would have to just coordinate with work to, because I think this is something potentially I might want to live. Well, I don't know about live stream, but definitely do some kind of reaction to like I want to watch it in real time and have either a live stream or recording of it. Um, Because here's the deal. Let me continue reading the article here. So, quote, given that this is the. This is the inaugural game showcase from Disney and Marvel. It's unclear exactly what caliber of announcements will be made during the event, but there are plenty of Marvel and Star Wars games in development to choose from. And then this is the chunky part of the IGN article that's got me intrigued and why I want to do uh, why I want to do a a reaction or some something recorded, something that could be content for the niche channel for the Spider-Man Batman channel cuz this sounds like something I need to keep an eye out for. Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac Games was announced last September, so there's a little bit of a time uh, synchronicity there, and relatively little has been said about it since, despite an expected release year of 2023. A Wolverine game is also in development at Insomniac, and a digital card game called Marvel Snap is currently in beta and awaiting an official release date announcement. On the Star Wars front, we know that Star Wars Hunters, the Overwatch-style multiplayer game from Zynga, was recently delayed to 2023. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a sequel to Fallen Order, was announced in May with a teaser trailer, so developer Respawn may show a little more during this showcase. Amy Hennig is also working on a Star Wars game and various others, including an open-world game from Ubisoft, a first-person shooter from Respawn, a Knights of the Old Republic remake, which recently got delayed, and I hear that there's 
trouble behind the scenes with that. And Star Wars Eclipse, a story-driven game with branching paths from uh, Quantic Dream, are all in development too. So, I mean, some of the Star Wars stuff could be pretty interesting. Like, streamline, single-player, captivating stories in the Star Wars universe from developers who know what they're doing. Like, Amy Hennig, for example, definitely look at... It's funny, I don't even know any concrete details on whatever it is that Amy Hennig is doing. And I'm already interested. Like, automatically, only because I know what she has done with the likes of Uncharted. So we got her working on something, you know, the Jedi Survivor, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel. That was very, very hype um, because I really did like Fallen Order that way. But in terms of what I need to look out for, not only as a consumer, as a fan, but also a content creator, is that Spider-Man 2 potential look at this showcase. Because it looks like Marvel Games, or at least anything that has to do with Marvel Games, regardless of developer, may show up here. I mean, it's fucking Spider-Man. How can they not uh, do it? So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on Like I said, timing-wise, it works. It was during the showcase on last September that they announced Spider-Man 2 to be coming in 2023, and we're coming up on a year on that. There, it, it's kind of warranted to have some kind of check-in. So I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that. So it's looking... Well, wait, hold on. Is it September 10th or 9th? Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the dead air there. Uh, No, it's September 9th. Where did it say September 10th? Oh, 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 oh. UK. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry about that, guys. UK time is September 10th. Because it'll be the next day. September 9th at 1 p.m. Pacific. That's a Friday. I still might be able to work that. Because the days that I've been working haven't been on Fridays. So... Yeah, I'll have to negotiate with things at work where where I'm going to be uh, on that week. But for the time being, I have the intent to watch this live, re- either record. I don't know about live streaming. I've been kind of tempted lately to do start live streaming on the YouTube channel, on the niche YouTube channel with the um, 2,000 plus subscribers that we got over there. Um, but I know that that could sometimes do little finicky things with the algorithm and then on top of that, you know, I just want to primarily focus on just static long-form content and not in the live stream field just yet. I kind of, especially now with what I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if me and the girlfriend are thinking about moving, I don't want to start creating some kind of live streaming setup here. And then in two months' time, oh, we have to move. I have to, you know, strike it all down. Um so I will do my best to watch this live and record my reaction in case they do show something Spider-Man 2 related. If not, I, you know, if I have to work, I'll probably have to watch it when I get home and film a reaction then. Um, I'll definitely make an effort to cover this, though, as, as much as possible because this is intriguing. The first ever uh, game showcase from Disney and Marvel should be interesting. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and close out Episode 3 of the Dark Spider-Cast Season 5. Thank you guys for listening in. I This may end up being a shorter episode because not a whole lot really broke as far as big news announcements minor, minor some uh, minus some delays as well as the announcement of the showcase so it was like a you know news about what could be potential news you know it's it's kind of redundant so i didn't really want to spend too much time on that but also put a little bit of emphasis on some of the more personal stuff that i've been tackling whether it be the very introspective stuff at the beginning the stuff that had to do with my birthday getaway with what i've been thinking about 
but also with what I've been playing and watching. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that, and I look forward to talking to you more on next week's episode. But in the meantime, you guys know where to find me when I'm not either recording the podcast or creating content for the news channel, Twitch, and Instagram. Like I mentioned, I posted some pictures uh, of the trip there. If the um, if the um, Spider-Man exhibit video has not gone up yet, you guys can check out those photos there uh, by hitting the links in the description or simply just going to those social media platforms and at... Uh, looking up at Dark Spider David in the description, you can also find links to the YouTube channel and the website. And within the website and the YouTube channel, you can also find the merch store. I keep forgetting to plug the merch store. You can find you can find T-shirts with my face. Isn't that fun? Anyways, guys, that about does it for me. Thank you all for listening, and as always, stay humble. I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>